today we are having the are you on board conversation this is the one that some people will find the hardest because it can invoke conflict this is the conversation to have with the folks who are still resistant who aren't doing things in a new way you know, Webb, we've said before, the only way for an organization to realize the benefits of change is to have the majority of people on board and embracing the new way of doing things. And notice I, I say the majority because to get 100% of the people on board fully committed, that's a rare instance, unfortunately. Uh, but you really need most of the people to be on board to change the trajectory of your organization and where you're trying to go. So you have to, at some point, consider what is the right time for addressing these folks who are really not committing, actively resisting, uh, and, and just not doing things in the new way that you need? And you need to consider, what are you going to do with these people? What's the conversation you need to have, which we're going to talk about today? And then what are the actions that you can actually take? Because it might be tricky within your organization to figure out how you can best address uh, this behavior that's not working. And completely agree that this is the hardest conversation to have for some people. And for me in particular, reading this, even reading this, I was, you know, thinking back to how often have I had this conversation? And I have to admit, not nearly as often as I should have had this conversation. So I think it's an uh, extraordinarily important one to, to read through and start to get a little bit more comfortable, comfortable with, because I can say with confidence that uh, I regret the times that I have not had this conversation more than I regret the times that I have had this conversation. I love that line. I say it to myself all the time. I think it's another one that comes from our mother. You regret the things you don't do more than the things you do. Uh, and you're right. It's, I mean, it's one of those conversations too, because you expect there to be conflict because you expect there to be different views on things um, that we avoid. Uh, and we also work it up to be something big in our minds that we make assumptions, right? We say somewhere in this book, don't make assumptions. We all know what that turns out to be. Uh, and so really uh, just figuring out what are the things that I need to talk to this person about and, and starting that conversation and not going in with those assumptions, because if we go in with our assumptions, then we're probably not even listening to what they're saying either, right? So making sure that go in with an open mind. I actually, I did a course recently on difficult conversations uh, and we talked about sort of a process on having a difficult conversation, which we're not gonna get into today. That's a whole other conversation, uh, but we are gonna talk about how to have this particular conversation um, of are you on board? And also when to have it, I think is a good part of that. So after, when we go through it, thinking through when is the time to have it, because often people may wait too long. And then, as you said, with the assumptions and building it up and building things in my head, if I've waited six months to talk to somebody who clearly hasn't converted into the new way of doing things, it's probably going to be a much more difficult conversation because they're saying, well, I did it this way for six months and you didn't talk about it, as opposed to waiting six weeks, six days. So Again, probably the sooner, the better to have these conversations. And, and that's a great perspective of you've waited too long for the person. Maybe they didn't know that they were doing something not the right way. And the other aspect that I often think of it from is to is that so for six months, 
everybody else has watched this person get away with it, uh, you know, get away with their behavior or act in a way that wasn't in line with the direction that you're going. And that really impacts the efficacy of the leader. Um, people see that, and I have seen this in so many cases, people, people watch that leader seemingly doing nothing uh, and they sort of lose faith in that leader. And, you know, I, we talk about a little bit, and I have some examples of folks I've worked with of, you know, it's just fire them. Someone will say, well, just fire them. Well, 90% of the time, maybe more, you can't actually do that, especially if you work in a unionized environment, right? And so you, uh, but people who aren't in management or leadership roles don't necessarily understand sort of the, the forces at play or the company policy or, or the, the hoops and the steps, the process you have to go through to actually uh, manage somebody, whether it's managing them out or moving them into a different role or, or just helping to modify their behavior. And so all the more reason to have the conversation sooner rather than later. So to have that conversation right away, and especially in a unionized environment, which I have a fair amount of experience managing in, you generally have to work through a progressive discipline process. So have right. this are you on board conversation the sooner than you can. So, uh, you know, you've got <clears throat> potential, you know, potentially one strike or one step towards things. And then if you need to continue having that. Uh, conversation, you can eventually work to termination if that's the direction that it needs to go. Exactly. And one of the one of the key things for this conversation is it's really important to prepare. And so we're going to go through those steps in a second. Uh, and I'll often say, you know, don't circumvent the problem, like you say, six months from now. So if you try and you're always working around it and sort of leaving this person, um, you know, kind of ignoring them and going, oh, I'll just I'll just do it myself or we'll just work around them. Uh, it doesn't it usually doesn't end well. I used to work with somebody who, you know, so many people talked behind this person's back about uh, what he did or didn't do and this and that and the other, and nobody actually spoke to him directly. They just sort of worked around him or moved him around to different groups and stuff like that. And it just really never solved the problem. Like you never, you know, got what you needed out of this person. It wasn't that he was a bad employee. Um, he just wasn't getting any feedback. And so, you know, nothing ever changed for that guy because he didn't know. All right. So as we said, it's really important to prepare for this because people may not be aware or may not realize the impact they're having on others. Remember our resistance pyramid we've talked about before, why people resist, not aware, not able, or not willing. So you need to check in on the first two before jumping to the conclusion um, that they're simply not willing. So However, if you are at the point of having this conversation, then you likely have many examples of behavior that's hindering the change. And so you need to prepare to have this conversation. And documenting, as you were just stating, especially in a unionized environment, it's very important that you document what's happening. So you need to think about the following questions. What, do you, what are they doing um, to not comply or commit to the change? And really gather specific examples. Whenever I've taught courses on feedback, I drive this one home. What are the specific behavioral examples that this person is exhibiting that you can give feedback on? Because you can't just say, well, you're not doing it the way I want you to. I can't, have I received that feedback? There's nothing I can do with that. If you say uh, you're sitting back from the table in meetings, your arms are crossed, it appears that you're not paying attention, I can change that behavior to at least make it look like I'm paying attention. Uh, but there are specific things that I can do. Or if you know you said this and this was the impact of that, what you said on somebody, they can go, oh, okay, 
I say that a lot, maybe that's something I need to change in my vernacular. So gathering specific examples. Again, what I've said about the conversations, Jen, in your whole book is how well they stack on top of each other. And this loops back in with previous conversations that, you know, hopefully you've already had with regards to the change, talking about expectations and talking about, you know, what is the new type of behavior that you need to see from people. So hopefully that is fairly clear so that you can draw that straight line and say, remember that conversation that we had that we said we are introducing this new change and now I expect you to punch in at this time and do this process, you can then draw that straight line here and say there were five examples of when you didn't actually follow that process. Exactly. And we've been focused on the engagement conversation. So this is number six in the engagement conversations. Uh, we haven't done our podcast on the planning conversations yet, but one of the ones in there is the performance conversation. And that's an important one where you decide what is the new behavior and performance that is needed in this new change that you're doing on you know, this, this new way um, so that you have what that looks like. And then you can decide what the gap is between current behavior and performance and future behavior and performance that you're looking for. And you can uh, then tell people what's the difference you're looking for exactly to your point so you have that initial conversation about with them about here's what the expectation is and then you manage behavior to that going forward so what are they doing to not comply coming up with examples what is the impact of their actions on others and on the overall change so again the example i gave before you're saying you're saying this or you're doing this and here's what the impact is um, you're showing up late for your for your shift every day or three times a week. Uh, and it's it's meaning that other people aren't able to leave from their shift on time and making them late for other things that they've got to do after work, things like that. Also, what is their contribution? You need to think about what's their contribution to the team or the organization? What will be lost if they actually leave? So if it comes to the point where this person leaves the organization, is there something, is there a skill set? Is there a knowledge um, that they have that will be lost if they're gone? Um, and what's at stake also if they stay and continue the same behavior? And that's to the point earlier about, you know, if someone gets to continue this behavior and it's not what's expected, uh, other people see that and think, well, how come that person gets to act that way and I get in trouble if I act that way? Uh, and Or just what's at stake? They may be a key cog in an operational process that if they're not doing things in the new way, it's going to throw off that whole new process that you're trying to put in place. And then why might this person be resisting the change? So again, another conversation you have in the planning section is stakeholders and looking at uh, what are the different stakeholders that are impacted by the change and, and why might they resist? So if you have done that in your planning phase, you can look at them going, okay, this person falls into this category. Why might they be resisting this change? Or it's looking back at chapter three and some of those uh, loss factors that we've talked about before that may uh, be impacting this person's view of the change. Number five, what are the options for this person if they do not comply or commit? So what can you actually do within company policy and rules and procedures with this person if they're truly not going to come on board? And then what are the consequences that you're willing to or able to enforce? So similar to the question above, um, what are the options for this person? Like maybe that is putting them in a different department if they're really like a really good skill set, but you have to sort of move them over here um, and not be focused on, on a specific thing. Um, and then what are the consequences that are possible and that you're willing to do? And these are all really great 
questions. I think six questions here to help us prepare for this conversation. So just on a practical front, do you sort of suggest, okay, I'm feeling like I need to have this conversation with Jen because she isn't quite on board on the change. Would you say as a leader, sit down, ask yourself these questions, write out some of the answers to help to plan through that conversation? Absolutely. That's exactly what I would say to do. And that's why I've put them in here. So you'll see those questions don't show up in the actual um, list of questions in the conversation because you need to do this beforehand. Before you have this conversation, you need to think about uh, how am I going to present this to this person? What is the impact they're having? You can't just go in and say, it's not working. You need to come with your examples, think about what the next steps are. Um, you need to engage them then in conversation because they need to own some next steps as well. But you need to have thought about what your um, focus and, and action steps are going to be too. Well, I think it's helpful too, because it may change the direction of the conversation a little bit, right? Depending on some of these questions. If, if I've determined, look, I absolutely cannot leave, lose this person. They have to stay with the organization. I'm going to be having a slightly different, perhaps less pointed conversation than I would be if, you know, it's either this person gets on board or gets out. So mm -hmm. very helpful to ask yourself these questions and then get yourself in that mindset before you head on into the conversation. Exactly. And this is one of those conversations to equip managers with. So I had um, a client phone me up recently and she said, I need, I have a people manager who, who just needs some help managing this one particular person on their team that's very resistant to a change that they were implementing. And she said, I don't need change management tools and methodology and processes. She goes, I just need something for, to help them manage this person through it. And I said, of course, you need talking change the book, but specifically, I center this conversation and the chapter, um, some information from the chapter on resistance um, to really help that person. And that's that's she said that's exactly what she was looking for. That, you know, how do they engage in the conversation to try and move this, you know, road, roadblock further? Well, and I do need to use that juncture as just another plug for how practical this is. You are a very practical person and you like to give practical tools. And that's what's great about this book is it is just very practical, tangible. Here's the questions, pull them out, answer them for yourselves and you're ready to go. So I have no doubt that, that you were able to give that person exactly what they needed and something they could implement right away. There you go. Excellent. Okay. So we have prepared with those six questions. We have prepared for this conversation. So now what does it look like? So the purpose being to determine a path forward with those people who seem unwilling to change, who have been resistant. So again, looking at your notes that you've got, you can start with some, there's sort of three or four sets of questions that you can go through. Awareness questions, reaction questions, ability questions, and willingness questions. So you see those align to um, the reasons why people might resist, right? Not aware, not able, not willing. So in looking at awareness questions, are you aware, asking them, are you aware of the reason why the change is being made? Let's first understand, like, do they actually understand why we're trying to make this change? And secondly, where do you agree with the reason and where do you disagree? So understand, like getting them to talk about well, here's what I think, or here's what I don't think. They may have been with the organization for a long time. They've seen this movie before. I often say that. And they'll say, well, I don't agree because we've tried this before and it didn't work or something to that effect, right? Finding out where they agree or disagree. I think this is such a good question to start off on because it is one, you're asking for their opinion. So usually people, I mean, if you're heading into this type of a conversation, 
usually the person who's on the other side of it can probably feel it, right? They can feel that they're having a serious conversation, that there may be some conflict. So they may come in with their backup a little bit. I know that that's my experience. So starting something off where you can really be getting them to talk a little bit and asking them a question. And really, again, we talked about it before, listening to their feedback. This isn't coming in with necessarily your own agenda, you've got to listen. Um, but I think it's a good opportunity to open up that dialogue. And, and as you said, learn a little bit something. Maybe they say, maybe you learn something about why they're resistant because they've done this three times before. I've seen this a lot. I have, I've mentioned this before, a lot of new people in my organization, which is, which is fabulous. Uh, at the same time though, those folks haven't seen what others in the organization have seen and what what we've gone through over the past 10 to 15 years. So may not understand all of the history and baggage that some people may have with regards to the new changes. You know, we tried to implement that type of a system before and I ended up doing twice the amount of work and had to miss my vacation. They don't really understand that. So this is the opening for, uh, for people to outline a little bit of what their history is. And, and I think it's a great question just to ask what you think about the change and are you aware of why we're doing it? That's a great plug for the change track record conversation, which we, you can go back and find that one in our podcast. We've talked about that one before uh, and setting up really what is the history of the change because that might give you, like you say, some insight into why they're resisting. They all build on each other, these conversations. They do. They do. Set it up great (laughs) practically. So funny. Um, Excellent. So figuring out, and are you aware of what you need to do, my favorite line, more, better, or different uh, to execute on the change? So like you say, getting them to open up and talk, this is to be a conversation. This is not a dump of here's what you're doing wrong on them. You need to, you know, we say aim changing conversations, which is what these are to uh, create common understanding and uh, open up the dialogue. And so really getting people to talk. You need to hear what they have to say and you need to be listening to what they have to say. They also need to show up and own, like take some personal accountability for their own actions and behavior. Uh, So, you know, we're still at the awareness questions. The last one you might ask them is, you know, what have you done to work in a new way to see maybe they've tried stuff and it hasn't worked or something like that. So figuring out what are are they aware? What are they aware of? Are they aware of this, et cetera? And then it's giving them the feedback that you have. Okay. So you've got a little bit of laid the groundwork that you've got a bit of understanding of where they're coming from. Um, Now you need to provide the feedback in a succinct and respectful way of here's some specific examples, here's what the impact has been, uh, and then get their reaction. So then you need to stop talking and get their reaction to the feedback. Tell me more. Tell me more about what you think about this feedback. They can't just say, yeah, I agree. Okay, so what is it that you agree with or what do you disagree with? Um, And go from there. And again, with the theme of this conversation, building on other ones, you'll recognize some of these questions, some of the prompting questions from the coaching conversation. Yes. And what else? Tell me more. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. They all fit together. Um, So now you've given that feedback and that's sunk in and you see where that conversation goes. Uh, And then you may ask some questions around ability. So what support um, do you need to work in a new way? 
So if you think it's an ability question, they're like, I've tried this and it's not working. I really want to work in a new way, but I'm not able. Find out what would help them and support them to be able to do. Is it knowledge? Is it skill gap? What is it that they can work in a new way? Or from the other side, if you've had this conversation, you're like, it sounds like they just are not willing to do this. Um, ask them, are you willing to work in a new way? Straight up, yes or no. Uh, you know, if they say yes to that, which hopefully they will, um, then, you know, when and how will you do things differently? And what support do you need? Again, that support question. Um, but if the answer is no to that question of are you willing to work in a new way, then asking them what would change your mind to work in a new way? What is it that they would like to see different? And it, it may be something you can or can't do, um, but sort of just understanding their perspective and where they're coming from. So really this conversation is to get perspectives on the table and see where um, their reactions, their thoughts, their feelings lie with respect to this change. And I like how it, it starts out a bit more open-ended with these questions, open-ended, having the discussion, really having the conversation, but then bringing it to the, are you willing to work in the new way? It's a, it's a yes or no question and can bring the conversation to, to kind of a conclusion. You know, they may say no, maybe they've been waiting for you to ask just that yeah. question for a while. <laughs> so I think it's nice how it, it, brings it to, okay, now it's time to actually decide, are you in or are you, are you on board or not? Exactly. And that's what you need to get to. Like, are they willing to work in the new way? And if they say no, you need to figure out what your next step is. So, so that's what we say in next steps in this one is, you know, based on the responses, you've got to decide what's going to be next, because that then gets into, you know, if really this isn't going to go where, where you need them to go, you need to figure out what are the options within your organization that you can execute on if somebody's completely unwilling. And also you don't need, I mean, a good leadership and management tip is you don't need to make the decision in the moment, right? And I think that's sometimes why people may get nervous about conversations like this, because they feel like, well, I'll have to come out of this and I'll have to fire them right there, or I'll have to discipline them right there or something. Um, but you don't necessarily need to, right? You, you listen, you have the conversation. Are you willing to get on board? No. Okay. Thank you very much for, for the information. And then you as the leader can go away, maybe talk with your team, your HR team, whoever you need to, and figure out what the next steps are from there. You don't need to say what the next step is in that moment. And I think with that is you don't need to own their reactions, their behavior, their reactions is theirs. Um, you know, we say you can't change someone else's behavior, behavior, they can, like, we can only ever change our own behavior, right? So you can coach them, you can ask them questions, you can support them, etc. But if they're not willing to change, um, ultimately, you can't make them right, you can't, you can take that horse to water, but you can't make them drink. That's it. Doesn't that sound like an easy conversation to have? Well, when you break it down like that, Jen, it certainly makes it sound easier. And the other thing I have to say that I like about this as well, just having the questions and planning in advance, it takes out some of the emotion of it. And the emotion is usually in my, for me personally, and what I've seen in others, it what's, is what gets people nervous about having these conversations is that they can sometimes be charged. So having the questions laid out, having done a bit of preparation can start to diffuse that a bit. There's a book called Crucial Conversations that talks about that, where 
um, you know, what is it, what makes a crucial conversation? And it's when the stakes are high and when emotions are running high. I think there's a third one that I can't remember right now, but those two things, stakes are high, emotions are high. And that is why people sort of, you know, back away from these types of conversations, but you're right. Prepare for it. Know what it is you're going in to say. I like your comment about, you don't have to make a decision right now. This is a exploratory conversation to see you know, get everybody's cards on the table, if you will, as to what are they thinking? What are they doing? This has been frustrating you for a while, perhaps, and you need to figure out what's actually going on. So I think the key with this one is preparing uh, for the conversation. And then, like you said at the beginning, having it sooner rather than later. These are the folks that uh, I've coached many leaders who continually we come back to, there's one or two people that just push their buttons. And they spend, one, I spend so much time in coaching conversations talking about these. Um, and that's a lot of time to spend when we could be spending other time on, you know, different leadership skills that they're focused on. Um, but they spend time talking to me, they talk to others, you vent about them, you lose sleep over them, etc. So addressing this is better for everybody. It's better for you to sort of be able to move on from this and, and stop losing sleep over it and being so frustrated and figuring out what the real answer is. And it's better for the person to get that feedback sooner rather than later, because it may be that they're like, I didn't know. I didn't know that's what the impact was that I was having. And holy cow, I can change that right now. Yeah, that was exactly my note. The 20% of people take up 80% of your time. And it's these people <laughs> that you need to have this conversation with. But if you had it sooner, they perhaps wouldn't take up as much of your time. And then you could focus on some of your high performers and coaching them to uh, accelerate the change. Exactly, because you have a lot of people who are on board with this change and they need your time and support. Don't ignore them because you're dealing with these squeaky wheels. And we see it time and again, the squeaky wheel takes up so much of your time. Uh, but then the other people get frustrated, right? Your high performers, the folks who are on board with this and they want to move it forward, they get really frustrated and you don't want to lose them. So make sure you put your time in the right place. Great. That is the are you on board conversation. Get out there and have it.